0: Hello and welcome to Doctor Bean. My name is Heather,
1: and I'm Kathleen.
0: And this week we are covering MH370, the plane that disappeared. We have your husband to blame for this one, right? We do indeed. I'll be honest. This one was a struggle to get through. So fuck him. It took an entire week. You know what got me through it? Couple
1: naps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna, not gonna lie about that.
0: It was like once, watch, watch half an episode a day because that was like all I could.
1: I, I just want to go on record that not everything needs to be three or four episodes
0: and not everything needs to be a documentary
1: that, that too, but also let's just be comfortable with sometimes having like one 30 minute or hour (laughs) long thing we don't have to have, not everything needs to be threes.
0: Before we get into anything else, you can follow us on Twitter and or join our Facebook group. Info for that can be found in the show notes. If you would like to email us comments or suggestions or donate to us at PayPal, our email address is doctomeepod at gmail.com. We appreciate any help, whether it's a way we can make this podcast better or just a dollar.
1: And we have stickers. We do have
0: stickers. Uh, I will say it helped a lot to understand plain shit by listening to that Black Box Down podcast. I highly recommend them because I dumbed this down as best as I could so that I could understand it. Um, so this was a three episode docu-series that premiered on Netflix on March 8th, 2023. It was, it's fresh. It was, it was the anniversary, I believe. and was directed by Louise Malkinson. <laughs> we start off with basically the only fact we know about this story. On March 8th, 2014, Malaysia Airlines flight MH- Three seventy disappeared from radar. Two hundred thirty-nine people were on board. That's basically all we know. we know for certain
1: <laughs> That is all we know. That concludes <laughs> the no knowledge.
0: We start in Kuala Lumpur, capital of Malaysia. It means muddy confluence because the Kambak and Klang River come together here. And I looked at pictures, and I'd say they did in fact look like muddy rivers.
1: Oh, I so love when things was... are accurate. <laughs>
0: We start off with Jeff Wise. Oh, Jeff! Um, he's the aviation Jeff's a character, aviation journalist who looks like a cross between George Hahn and our fave, in William Phelps. Yes, <laughs> he, I'm glad you saw it. Okay, <laughs> the flight was a red eye from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. It would leave at twelve thirty-five a.m. and land at six thirty. There were two hundred twenty-seven passengers and twelve crew. I also looked because I was curious in a Boeing 777-200ER has seating for 440.
1: Oh, so that was like so a... So
0: halfway full for this flight.
1: Which is always nice when you're on a flight. Like, yeah. I hate, like, fuck. It's always booked. <laughs> They're always
0: bumping people. Next up, we have Inton Othman, who worked for Malaysia Airlines as cabin crew, along with her husband, who was working on this flight, Hazrin. They already have one daughter together, and she was far along in her pregnancy with their son. Which is like, oh god, that makes it worse. Then we have Danica Weeks, whose husband Paul was about to start a new job in China. The saddest one, I think, is Guillain Waterloo. Very French, so. (laughs) That was my estimation of how to pronounce that. (laughs) (laughs) Whose wife and two of their children were on the plane. Obviously, losing anyone is awful, but your spouse and kids
1: yeah I can't imagine like there are so many situations where like, you know what I'd probably just kill myself
0: because they, he still has another daughter who's in college, so it's not like his whole family was wiped out, but still. right so
1: i would I would probably stick around just because God could you imagine leaving like just this one child yes. alone, but There are some situations you you read about like you know car accidents and stuff like that. I'm just like, how the fuck are they hanging on? Those are some strong people because I would be like, peace out, motherfuckers. Yeah.
0: So the flight was supposed to be at 12:35 and they ended up leaving at 12:42. So not too bad. I'd say that's pretty reasonable. There's no problems with taking off or reaching their desired height. The plane's final transmission was an automated position report sent using the aircraft communications addressing a reporting system at 106. To sum it up as easily as I can possibly think, this system is like texting someone versus talking on the radio, which would be like calling. Uh, so, instead of clogging, so like my
1: favorite mode of communication. <laughs> so
0: instead of clogging up the radio, you would just like text where you are on fuel or they can let you know what the weather is going to be like. The last verbal communication anyone has with MH370 is at 119 when Captain Zahari acknowledges that they need to transition from Lupar radar to Ho Chi Minh. And 90 seconds later, the plane just leaves the radar. At. God, some of these names. I'm trying. <laughs> it's tough. At 2.20, Fuad Sharuji, former crisis director for Malaysia Airlines, receives a call alerting him of the disappearance. An hour seems like a long time to wait to call the crisis director.
1: Yeah. For a
0: plane to just disappear.
1: <laughs> I mean, they, maybe they were just hoping it would, like, show up. They were just like, no, just give it a, five more minutes. Five more minutes. <laughs> we're going to, five more minutes.
0: At the emergency operations center, they request surrounding countries, Thailand, Hong Kong, and, of course, Vietnam, to see if maybe they could get into contact with the plane. Obviously, no one can get into contact with them. No. Yeah. No. So yeah, 6.30 Spoiler rolls around. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> 6.30 rolls around and at this point you just can't hide what's going on. There's people at the airport expecting to pick up friends and families and the board just says delayed as far as any information for the f- flight. Which like, <laughs> is worse. Yeah, <laughs> like
1: not, not the uh, the kind of information that you're hoping for when, you know, your whole life has disappeared.
0: Well, it's like a red eye. Like, how delayed could it be? (laughs) And it just gets even worse when 8.30 rolls around, which would have been the estimated time that the plane would have run out of fuel. They start air searches for the plane in the South China Sea because the assumption is, of course, that it was still headed towards Vietnam. That was the direction it was going in when they had last contact. And their hope is renewed when word comes that a worker on an oil rig in the South China Sea says he spotted an explosion. And adding to this, Vietnamese Air Force planes spot oil slicks in the water. After this, it comes out that the captain of another plane that was 30 minutes ahead of MH370 attempted to contact the crew shortly after 1.30. But the only response he got back was mumbling and static.
1: Which is creepy. Yeah, that's. (laughs) Fucking weird. I don't like that.
0: And then we go over how Eton, Danica, and Jilan each learn about what had happened. Eton was expecting her husband to text her when he landed, which is what they did on each flight since they both worked its crew. Danica learned what happened when a journalist called asking to speak to her husband, Paul. <laughs> like, fuck that journalist.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't understand this whole like, when when reporters or the news breaks missing people or murders and stuff like that, have some class.
0: (laughs) And Jilan learned when he landed in Beijing that afternoon and was met not by his family, but a crew member who asked for him to follow them. Families are gathering in conference rooms hoping to get news, but basically it's just people sitting around screaming and crying. Some people are so desperate they're still trying to call their loved ones. There was a story about a woman who received a call from her father who was on the plane, but of course, when she went to answer it, the call had hung up. Like, why would you wait so long to answer? Like, one of the guys was was like talking about how she was running around the room telling people that he's calling, he's calling. And then, of course, when she goes to answer,
1: like,
0: (laughs) grief is weird. I don't know. I will agree that it's strange that people reported the calls not going straight to voicemail. That is odd that it would ring like they're actually hearing dial tone the families aren't getting any answers and the search is searches it like if continuing phones,
1: if if the, if the plane crash like i mean would the phones
0: if the phone's not on it would just go to voicemail i would assume a phone wouldn't survive a plane crash
1: uh, that's a good question
0: but i'm not a plane crash nor a phone expert I am also neither of those. You're not. <laughs> what do you do all day?
1: <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> the oil slicks reported before end up just being from ships, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, when they said that, I was just like, well, duh.
0: <laughs> On the second day of searching, Malaysian officials announced that radar recordings indicated MH370 may have turned around before vanishing from radar. It basically did a 180 and traveled back across Malaysia kind of along the border of Thailand. Got to the border of the military radar and turned again towards the Andaman Sea. It just gets so confusing for these poor families. Also, feel free to look up at a map (laughs) because it is very confusing.
1: I mean, I failed geography, so.
0: (laughs) Everything on the plane that would be able to say its location goes black over the South China Sea. The plane turns around and heads back the other way, and the only way they know this is from military radar. However, the military doesn't want to admit how accurate this is, or even give any, 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 extra information because they don't want to admit what their radar capabilities actually are. So it's the obnoxious, did you see the plane? Maybe? So all they will admit is that some type of aircraft flew this way, which just leaves even more questions. Because they still don't know for sure if it was the plate on radar, they're still checking the South China Sea and the Adaman Seas. Needless to say, this is the most expensive search in the history of aviation. Nobody is giving answers or they're giving delayed answers, which, you know, like the military radar thing. You don't have any information on this thing passing through your boundaries and you just didn't question it right then? Like, that's what I don't understand is the military or even other countries were picking this up on radar, but just didn't question what it was.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much security nowadays. Like I can't imagine like something just free balling through the air and (laughs) no one is like, wait a minute, you're in our airspace. Uh, I feel for them. Shit gets shot down all the time for (laughs) flying
0: it. I feel for the families who are throwing water bottles at the officials. (laughs) Like You're not giving us answers. And then you're giving us things we can throw. Of course, it's going to get thrown at you.
1: I would also throw (laughs) things at
0: them. Uh, Because there are no answers, the conspiracy theories start in full force. I think the biggest one being that the pilot or co-pilot did something to cause the plane to disappear.
1: Which is rough. Like, I have a hard time blaming someone...
0: But it becomes less of a stretch when literally the next year is when that co-pilot locked the pilot out of the cockpit and crashed the plane into the mountain in France. You remember that?
1: (laughs) I do remember that. And I remember how everyone was like, see, see, pilots do be crazy sometimes.
0: (laughs) Or drunk. March 15th, the press conference was held where the Malaysian prime minister, Rajiv Razak, announced that they do believe the plane turned around and they were ending the South China sea search based on information they received from Inmarsat, which is basically just a giant satellite company. It took them a fucking week to make that decision? That seems insane. It still blows my mind to this day that all the technology there is, and it's still possible to lose a plane with over 200 people on it.
1: It's just, it's mind blowing. Like, how the fuck does it just disappear? <laughs> like, wh- how? But then when you think about how vast the ocean really
0: is. But did it go in the ocean? I don't know, but like... You- it did. Jeff yes. Wise is... We'll get to him. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's a fucking psycho. Then he's, we get- he's my favorite <laughs> conspiracy theorist.
1: Really? Yeah, like- really? He's pretty funny. Is he? I just—he's
0: no Bill Cooper. <laughs> Suicide by cop, I think. I think that was him. You don't know. I don't know why I'm asking.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, my, my blank face says it all.
0: Then we get to Cindy Hendry, who, in her spare time, looks at satellite images to try and see if she could spot the plane.
1: Dude, I remember when everyone was doing that. <sighs> Do you, you remember, like, right when everyone yeah. was just like, Google image and. Searching for any kind of indication, she's like, "You people have way too much time on your hands." Yeah,
0: but just watching her, she's like, "Clearly, this is this part of the plane. Let me put it over this picture." No, it's not.
1: I uh, liked how she had like the 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 map thing of the plane, and she was like putting it in like puzzle superimposing pieces,
0: superimposing the plane over it, like it's gonna crash into the ocean, and the parts are gonna be whole. And just like, like this is the nose of the plane. You think the nose of the plane is not gonna be just like? absolute tiny pieces. Uh, according to her, she found debris in the South China Sea, so she was shocked that they announced they were ending the search there. Dude, those were the grainiest fucking images. Like, I don't know how she thought she could see anything. People are aware of how much shit and trash is just, like, floating in the ocean, right? You've watched Below Deck. How many times have you seen them lose a cushion off of the boat?
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs> not, not to mention just fucking pollution yeah, and yeah just the ocean is our trash
0: can for some (laughs) people still don't even know everything in the ocean seriously so based on the imerset satellite the plane was tracked for six hours after it was last heard from and either crashed in the very remote southern indian ocean or it went north and maybe landed somewhere in kazakhstan at the furthest because, of course, the satellite can't give you an exact GPS for some reason. Just an estimated distance based on how far it is from the satellite. And also, this is where the Prime Minister publicly acknowledges that this is now a criminal investigation. The co-pilot was 27-year-old First Officer Farik Abdul Hamid. This was his final training flight for the Boeing 777. So, the belief was that he wasn't experienced enough to be able to hijack the plane. The pilot in command was 53-year-old Captain Zahari Ahmed Shah. He was made a captain in 1998, was an instructor since 2007, and had a total of 18,365 hours of flying experience. So out of these two, the pilot is the more likely suspect. March 24th, 16 days since the plane took off, it's announced that based on the further Inmarsat data, the plane had gone south and that the last position before it disappeared was in the southern Indian Ocean. As no place exists where it could have landed, the plane must have crashed to the sea. Jeff Wise, aviation journalist, gets super sassy by saying there's no physical proof the plane crashed in the where nobody lives. Okay, ocean, but do you think that it lives. just, like,
1: <laughs> is hanging out on top of the water or, so like... So,
0: you're just telling these people their loved ones are dead based on math? Come on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, that's like his whole
0: thing. Is I like, like whole like I'm not a math bitch. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's been nine years and they haven't been found or heard from. Like that stupid Manifest show isn't real. These people aren't just gonna come back.
1: Okay, I am mad that you <laughs> mentioned Manifest before me, but also I was gonna say Lost.
0: <laughs> but also, Manifest should be coming back soon. They gotta finish that last season. You know how I feel about Lost those were seven years of my life wasted wasted well answer everything you didn't answer shit you left us with more questions what the fuck happened but
1: also (laughs) manifest i've already established with my husband that if he came back from a plane that disappeared (laughs) i would already be remarried (laughs) you are dead to me i'm sorry
0: Why are you going on vacation without me?
1: (laughs) That is exactly what I said. You should have been with me. That's your own fault. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: So yeah, shit just gets crazy. People are absolutely pissed with the Malaysian government. Uh, In Beijing, which is where the plane was supposed to land, people are at the Malaysian embassy protesting. And I guess we haven't discussed it, but out of the 239 people on board... 152 of them were Chinese nationals and one Hong Konger. So, yeah, you could say the Chinese are a little pissed.
1: Oh, they were, like, super pissed.
0: (laughs) So now with less than eight minutes in this first episode, we're just going to go into theories, suddenly, about what happened. We don't have time!
1: (laughs) You can't just end the episode on theories.
0: (laughs) The first one, of course, being the pilot. So Jeff Wise believes that during the time frame in which... In between the Kuala Lumpur and the Ho Chi Minh airspace, that gap between air traffic towers, the captain somehow got the co-pilot out of the cockpit and then locked the door. He then turned off all the electronics so no one can track the plane. He then depressurized the plane. The mask in the cabin worked for 15 minutes, but apparently the captain's mask would last longer. How much longer? No fucking idea. He doesn't give you a lot of, like, real deep no, facts.
1: No, because he doesn't have any actual information. He's just
0: spitballing because, here. Because, I mean, as a layman, we don't need to know that information.
1: But also, like, what the fuck, man? We need to leave like, that
0: to, He's an aviation journalist. You need to respect And he can't give that. us any information about, like, how long something would work. <laughs> and so... How do you become an aviation journalist? Uh, and so instead of just crashing the plane into the ocean, he just flies until the plane runs out of fuel, which they believe would have been about... 8 19 a.m just fyi and again we know there are cases where pilots have taken a plane full of people down with them into suicide but to fly around for over seven hours with all these people to complete a suicide
1: it just seems excessive
0: (laughs) it's unheard of frankly it's just so fucking dark when you think about it to just sit in silence for that long just by yourself knowing you're gonna do this and all you could see is ocean
1: just it's weird. I mean, I I can understand why that theory is out there, but just, it's not
0: practical to just fly for that long.
1: No, like you have to That's a long time to be thinking about something. <laughs> yes. That's a long time to hours and
0: hours
1: chicken out. Like I have had suicidal thoughts. Yes. And I gotta tell you, they don't usually last
0: No, you don't wanna think of like what's the longest I can take?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You you either do it or you back out and you realize that yeah, maybe like shit's not so bad. Like I just Okay, that's a let's long just time. Yeah. <laughs> and then the
0: first episode ends when Jeff Wise surmises that maybe this was an act of war because four and a half months later we lose we lose another Malaysian Airlines 777 when MH17 is shot down by Russian forces in Eastern Ukraine on July 17, 2014. That, that's a stretch.
1: <laughs> it was a different situation
0: yeah these planes were flying over very different areas one of them being over an area of armed conflict so yeah
1: it was a different situation (laughs) like
0: episode two i guess we're just gonna still discuss mh-17 because now the theory seems to be that someone wants to take down palatian airlines Dude, it was just a coincidence.
1: Yeah, they're like, "Oh, we haven't had any kind of issues at all since what the '90s." Yeah. And now suddenly, two planes—clearly, months—we're being targeted.
0: <laughs> now, if it had been that both of these planes just flew the wrong way and disappeared over the Indian Ocean after flying for several hours without contact, then yes, I'd say it's connected.
1: Right, but they're different. It's it's very different, and I mean, honestly, I. I and I'm sure you and everyone else were all shocked when it happened. Yeah, but then when we they said,
0: like, Oh, it happened over Ukraine where all this fighting has happened, it was like, Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's like, okay, that that sucks. Sucks for the
0: airline and all the people, but not yeah. connected.
1: Like you don't typically fly over a war zone no. peacefully. No.
0: And then we go back to MH three seventy in the search again, which is being headed by Australia. And this is where Jeff mentions that he believes Russia took down both planes? What the fuck? (laughs) March 8th, 2015, a year since the plane disappeared and still nothing has been found. Did aliens take it? Was it hit by a meteor? Did North Korea take it? These are just some of the conspiracy theories thrown at us. And then we go back to blaming the pilot again.
1: Maybe it was God, like in (laughs) Manifest. God,
0: I hated that show, and yet we still watched it. I made you, and <laughs> you hated me since. I hated it. Uh, so yeah, they're trying to blame the pilot. He was weird and into twins, and maybe he took the plane down for political reasons? A political statement, and yet he left no manifesto?
1: Yeah, no. no. It definitely was not like a political thing, because <laughs> let me tell you, he would have left the manifesto.
0: <laughs> French journalist Florence de I'm sure that's not right. Talks about watching his YouTube channel and he just seemed like a normal dude who made handyman videos like a fucking psycho would. (gasps) Bob Vila wannabe. Florence interviews his families who attest that he was a nice, sweet, caring person Intan, who worked with the Malaysian Airlines, even says everyone who worked with him doesn't agree with how he's being portrayed by the media.
1: Right. Everyone is just like, no, he wouldn't have he's done just ripping this. ripping
0: into this good dude. Not Poor that it matters, God. but I also don't believe he had anything to do with it. So Jeff Wise gets together with his nerd buddies and they go over the Inmarsat data when it's finally released by the Malaysian government. So apparently all the electronics in the planes were shut off. And then before the crash, it all turned back on. I want to say, I forget what causes it, but there's this thing called a rat on a plane. And basically it like pops up and it's like a windmill thing. And that's, so the wind getting it, it'll get like a little bit of uh, energy to power electronics and stuff.
1: Interesting.
0: Black box down. (laughs) But yeah, so all the electronics went off and the pilots aren't trained to know how to turn it all off. Which, I mean, that part makes sense. I assumed airlines don't want pilots to have the ability to know how to turn off all tracking abilities, especially when pilots are known for drinking.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely a very hashtag thing. not
0: all pilots. <laughs> there is a section of the plane where all the electronics are, like a hub, and you can manually turn things off in there. And to reach the electronic hub, you just need to go through an unlocked hatch. That's located under a piece of carpet at the front of the first class cabin. Easy peasy, but also why are you telling the public this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I like how they showed the pictures of where it was and everything. But like,
0: if I saw someone fucking around with a hatch on a plane, whether it's on the ground or attached to a fucking door, I'd probably freak out.
1: Right. So I don't
0: think it's going to be an issue.
1: Everyone on the plane (laughs) would be like, what the fuck? Sir, sir, sir. Hey, excuse me, what is this man doing?
0: <laughs> oh my god. But if this was done by somebody, this opens up the possibility that everybody is a suspect. Jilan is told by some connection of a connection that the American government knows what happened. Something about us having commercial planes with radar attached that were flying over the Indian Ocean tracking MH370 and so they know where the plane is? Bullshit. <laughs> part was really weird they keep bringing that thing up
1: yeah like fuck the americans
0: like we did something <laughs> we're like stupid we we're, didn't do shit yeah we're so we didn't do shit
1: <laughs> we're so conceited and like self-involved that i'm pretty sure like they didn't they weren't tracking that plane no. they were just focused on their own bullshit and they never paid attention to anything
0: he quits his job to investigate this theory and to do as many news interviews as he can working with other families to keep this in the spotlight. I get it, you wanna know what happened to your family and you're not being told any information. As if shit wasn't confusing enough, he files charges for terrorism so that French judges can look into the case. I I don't understand.
1: Yeah, like the why. Yeah.
0: And back to Jeff Wise again. He still believes the Russians are involved, You can't have both of the theories of the Russians taking down the plane and Americans knowing. No. Why would those two countries work together? Uh, He believes someone managed to change the Inmarsat data to make it show that the plane was heading south when really it went north. So if it went north, it would have ended up in Kazakhstan, as we've already discussed. But Kazakhstan is landlocked. So no other countries reported this plane flying over? That was, as soon as he said that, I was like, that doesn't work.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's it's a little weird.
0: <laughs> and he keeps saying that they're very similar aircraft accidents. And says that there were three ethnically, whichever, whatever that means, Russian passengers on the plane. Um, but if you look at the list based on nationality, there was only one Russian. So I was confused by that. But
1: was there... Maybe two others that were ethnically <laughs> what Russian. <does> that mean? <laughs> yeah. Also, like way to be fucking targeting, like
0: <laughs> he clearly like has it out for Russia.
1: It's like these people were clearly
0: <laughs> ethnically Russian. Uh and according to him, one of them was only sitting fifteen feet from where the hatch was. Netflix clearly doesn't feel the same way about how Jeff feels because they blur the faces of the suspects.
1: (laughs) Thank God. Because, like, what the fuck? You can't just be going out, like, throwing, like, people under the bus.
0: I assume they edit out Jeff screaming, a Russian at first class? Of course he did it, the commie bastard. (laughs) Everyone knows he can't afford first class. And then we go to February 28, 2014, eight days before the flight. This is when Russia first invaded Ukraine when they started moving troops into Crimea. Jeff's theory is that Russia made this plane disappear so people would stop focusing on what was going in Ukraine. Joke's on them. Nobody did anything about the invasion anyway. And now Ukraine is going into a further invasion. So nothing changed. Wah-wah. And Jeff says it is a crazy idea, even for him, which I'm not sure I believe. He is a special man. (laughs) I love how you talk about him. You go, he, like you go high pitch. He's a special man.
1: (laughs) Watching this, I was like, holy fuck, someone. Every time he
0: popped up, I'm like, all right, where the fuck are we going now? (laughs) God. So now they introduce theory to the hijack. And it's always a little late for them to introduce these theories. So it's like you can't have time to think about really what they're saying. Because then the episode ends and they go to the new one. That's their plan.
1: And <laughs> they do these theories at the end. so They just throw them just, at you. Yeah, they're just like, Don't think Shh. about it. They're you're just thinking like, about it?
0: Don't think about spaghetti it. Spaghetti on the wall. Spaghetti on the wall.
1: And then you're like, but why is there spaghetti? Don't think spaghetti on the wall. <laughs>
0: No, my concern is, can I eat the spaghetti? <laughs> mm, spaghetti does sound good I right now. spaghetti. Mm. So here's the other theory. March 8, 2014, at 1.15, while they're still over the South China Sea, the Russians cause a distraction. The Russian in first class takes this moment to open the hatch to get into the electronics hub. So this is my thing. They cause a distraction for the entire plane to not focus <laughs> on this? Oh my God. Because again, this is not that long ago we're aware of hijackings on planes
1: like he I mean, this is post 9 like. eleven Yes that's <laughs> like, what I'm like.
0: Like, So anyway, um he plugs his laptop into the system and takes control of the plane. <laughs> which, <laughs> just which, think about that for a second
1: which by, which by the way, isn't fucking possible. You know,
0: like, <laughs> He depressurizes the plane and also cuts off the emergency oxygen system for the cockpit. And for the cherry on top, the Russian changes the data for the Inmarsat satellite so it would show the plane going south when really it went north. Because of this inane theory, his nerd buddies kick him out of their group.
1: (laughs) As one does when you start getting kind of (laughs) crazy.
0: Immerset right away says, why would someone change our data when we don't even track planes? This is the first plane like we've ever actively tracked to figure out what happened to it. How could someone- Can we
1: just also for a split second talk about how he's a lost Weasley?
0: Yes. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) I'm glad.
0: (laughs) How could someone not only change the data, but know that we would check the data? Something we've never done before.
1: But they're going to change it just in case.
0: Also, you can't fly a plane through your laptop plugged in through this electronic hub. So It's
1: not a fucking thing. Like, that is, like they're like, that's not possible. Don't
0: try to break into this. It's not going to work. And now Jeff is mad that he's a stock, and he's also, just been tossed Also, now you're on a plane aside. that's going to crash. <laughs> yeah. Jeff is mad that he's a stock, and he's just been tossed aside like Bigfoot. As if we think Bigfoot isn't real. Come on, Jeff.
1: I believe Bigfoot more yeah. than I do you, Jeff.
0: <laughs> Why is he gotta piss off everybody?
1: Is it Bigfoots, Big feet?
0: I think Bigfoot is like the universal term for
1: for all of them. So, like, if I met like six of
0: them, or is it like a weird thing? Fish is both singular and plural, but if it's like several different types of fish together, then it's fishes.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what I'm gonna call them. <laughs> You, you know, call honestly, friend. honestly, I'd probably be like, sir, <laughs> excuse me, Bigfoot. Are sir. they
0: not all called Harry?
1: <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons.
0: Check it out. Um, and he says, if the data was right, why haven't we found the plane in the sea?
1: <laughs> you know, the vast. Because it's vast. Open water.
0: <laughs> and to that, I say, why hasn't Kazakhstan said the plane crashed there. ADHD kicked in and I did a lot of research on Kazakhstan and I can tell you they need tourism. You don't think they wouldn't find a reason to get people to come visit?
1: They'd be like this is where the plane landed.
0: Uh, And then that's when they end the episode with a clip from CNN when they announced they found airplane debris on an island in the Indian Ocean July 29th 2015.
1: (gasps) My favorite guy's coming up. The ocean? Yes my favorite guy the ocean. (laughs)
0: Oh, Blaine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a dumb name. <laughs> Episode 3 immediately goes back into this found piece. Obviously, they have to test it to make sure it's from the plane, but experts say it looks consistent with a Boeing 777, and there's only one of those missing. Yeah, it's
1: not like <laughs> there's just like plane parts floating around.
0: And based on those barnacles, it's definitely been in the water for some time, and not the deserts of Kazakhstan.
1: Yeah, I love the barnacles <laughs> on it. You made me think Aquanaut or Octonauts.
0: Oh, God, I loved Octonauts. Captain Barkle. I know the youngest won't get into it, but their oldest watched it. So it's one of those where I'm like, Are you sure you don't want to watch this? Both of mine <laughs> got into it. God, it was so adorable. And we had all the toys. Uh, yes. And they were hard to find for some reason because it's such a good <laughs> show. Burr, 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 burr. Okay. Um... <laughs> So with this confirmation, it's a blow to all the families who still had hoped of their loved ones still being alive. We go to your next husband, Blaine Gibson, self-described adventurer, who travels to Mozambique because he believes more debris will show up up there on the coast. I don't know how tides and shit work, but the first piece landed on Reunion, which is a tiny little French island to the west of Madagascar. And yet Blaine thinks the next stop is Mozambique, not Madagascar. So like it's um, Madagascar, Mozambique, Reunion. So instead of coming here, he goes over round. Like why would you not go to the place in the middle?
1: Maybe he's thinking of his own kind of currents. (laughs) It's just gonna go around. But also he's a self explained traveler. Self described. Self described. Adventurer. Adventurer. And And doesn't
0: have a map, map works to look at
1: it. Maybe he just wanted to adventure to that place instead.
0: Cause yeah, when he said he was gonna go to Mozambique, I was like, uh, like I'm not that smart, but I know Madagascar's right next to Africa. <laughs> so even I was like, that's curious.
1: He's like a a poor man's I older like version he, of like the finder. He's done a
0: lot of ayahuasca, and so maybe he's not all there. <laughs> I feel like he's done a lot of trips. Trips, and just not and like trips. Uh, not yeah, <laughs> not just by plane.
1: Trips and trips.
0: Um, I mean, it does work because he does find debris. So <laughs> that's on me for not believing him. He is just the debris finder. <laughs> and I, so yeah. Anyway, Blaine keeps walking beaches in this area and finding parts of Blaine.
1: Then we get, did you say parts of Blaine or parts of Blaine? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he found himself too in this journey. <laughs> parts of the plane. <laughs> then we get to Jeff Wise back in the picture. He still believes that the plane went north and crashed into Kazakhstan. Not only does he believe that, but he also believes that it's really weird that Blaine Gibson, who has taken the time to talk to oceanographers about where the debris would probably end up based on it crashing into the ocean, is finding all this debris because it was planted by someone working for the Russians. That's why right. <laughs> if your conspiracy theory doesn't work, keep doubling down.
1: Why would they plant the plane parts?
0: (laughs) Uh, But to prove his point, he brings up Korean Airlines flight 007, which was a plane that was headed from New York to South Korea with a stopover in Alaska. Basically, on September 1st, 1983, the plane drifted from its original planned route and flew through Soviet airspace around the time we were doing aerial reconnaissance. Like, literally, the plane was supposed to go this way, and it kind of went like up a little more i mean in fairness it was like way off <laughs> but it was headed in the correct dis- direction the soviets assumed this was a spy plane and destroyed it with air-to-air missiles after they said they fired warning shots warning shots we have to assume the pilots didn't see because it wasn't a fucking spy plane but just an a c- commercial one but also there's no no proof they fired warning shots at all
1: or that sure they that even they didn't.
0: tried to contact the plane. The plane crashed into the Sea of Japan, killing the 269 passengers and crew. The Soviets found the wreckage two weeks later on September 15th and the flight recorders in October. But kept all their information about it a secret until 1992 after the collapse of the USSR. So this crash was a huge cover-up. Um, just to say there is a history of that country trying to cover up shooting down a passenger plane. But I kind of want to say false equivalency. <laughs> yes, we can admit the plane flew through their airspace; That did happen. But MH370 was nowhere near fucking Russia. No. <laughs> so it's not the same thing. Anyway, Jeff wants to try and find links between Blaine and Russia. <laughs> No wonder his nerd buddies were like, dude, you're too much.
1: Is Blaine ethnically Russian?
0: (laughs) Blaine speaks Russian. He had Russian business partners and he was there for the collapse of the Soviet Union. And we go to Blaine, who basically threatens to sue Jeff for defamation. (laughs) Yeah. In fairness, Blaine has a degree in political silence. Silence. (laughs) Has a degree in political science. He, along with basically everybody could see the collapse was going to happen. So he stationed up in Russia to consult new business owners and make some bank. And this is according to Jeff's own blog, which I will link to in the show notes. (laughs) So even he's like, he definitely was involved because this, this, this. And it's like, okay, but this, this, and this sounds all reasonable for why he would be in Russia. Yeah, he spoke Russian, but he also spoke like five other languages
1: he's an adventurer <laughs>
0: he's rich so whatever he's doing um
1: again my next husband
0: <laughs> you can shit all you want on blaine but some family members do believe him and even go with him on trips to madagascar to find debris and now we're going to question the debris that has been found first they shit on blaine some more and then they talk about why the flapper the wing part that was the first big piece found isn't from mh370 Blaine didn't even find that piece, so I'm not sure the connection. (laughs) It's still planted, okay? Uh, Anyway, Florence looks into how they established the pieces as belonging to the plane, and she has a problem with the experts saying it's highly probable it's the missing pieces. It feels like she just wants a straight yes or no answer, And when they're saying the piece came from the same type of plane, but there's no serial number that we can match exactly, therefore it's highly probable. Like, there's, there's only, only one, one missing, missing plane <laughs>
1: just we can say it in unison because it's so <laughs> accurate
0: and then she has issues with the flapron because out of all the serial numbers on the piece only one of the serial numbers matches okay so a serial number on there matches like again I don't understand the problem
1: what, what is the issue here <laughs> ma'am
0: but also there's a cereal plate that's missing and it's either riveted or glued on with a glue that could survive heat, all kinds of pressure, humidity, cold. But do we know if it could survive at the bottom of the ocean for over a year? Don't know. She doesn't say. She thinks these international experts don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Finally, two years later, the information of the flight simulator in Zahari's home came out. It was a weird, like the FBI had it and somehow something slipped out about it.
1: Yeah, it was just Kind of like... shady.
0: Um, a month before the disappearance, he flew a route kind of similar to the route they suspect MH370 took, and it also ran out of fuel and crashed into the ocean. As someone who has played Microsoft Flight Simulator before, that's not ridiculous. I've crashed into my house before. <laughs> <laughs> you do stupid shit. <laughs>
1: Exactly. I could
0: see him playing it seriously and then just like, you know, I wonder how long it would take me to get to Antarctica and then just flying and running out of fuel. <laughs> this just being a coincidence is like not that far fetched. And then it turns out that none of that is true. Uh, in the middle of flying, he manually like changed the plane's location to the Indian Ocean. That part was kind of confusing. Again, on his game, not a real thing.
1: Right, him just fucking around at home on a flight simulator.
0: <laughs> you do a lot of weird shit on that, just because you can. Exactly. The FBI had this flight simulator information, and obviously, they didn't think it was credible, or they wouldn't have held on to it for two years. Gilon just sees this as more proof that the Americans know what happened. Mm. <laughs> he lost American. his family. <laughs> And then also the British and Australians are also in on it. It's very confusing. And then Florence goes on again, this time talking about how the plane flew over an Australian air force base in Malaysia. And so it's crazy how we lost this plane and no one saw it. Doesn't question why the fuck it was flying back over Malaysia though. And also Inmarsat works with the US government. So how hard is it to believe that the information we were given by Inmarsat? could have been fabricated to cover up what really happened. What happened? Don't fucking know, but the U.S. did it. Or maybe Australia? Or maybe Russia? But she Somebody believes, did something <laughs> but and she, we don't know. She believes it never did that initial turn when it went over the South China Sea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she's not the only one because then we go back to that crazy ass chick in Florida who kept saying she saw evidence of debris in the satellite images. Nothing new with that. I guess they just wanted to remind us of her. Florence then
1: putting it over like a puzzle piece.
0: (laughs) Florence then looks in the cargo that was on the plane and I guess we're just gonna ignore the two thousand two hundred and fifty kilograms of scholastic books we lost that day. I was very heartbroken. Did you see that? I
1: saw that and I was like
0: think of the book fairs. Oh god, we're just not even gonna acknowledge that at all.
1: It's probably why the book fair at my kids' school didn't have
0: any solid books. In twenty fourteen?
1: Yeah, <laughs> they're still recovering <laughs> Heather
0: it had nothing to do with COVID
1: they're still recovering
0: she's more focused on this 2,453 kilogram load of lithium ion batteries walkie talkie accessories and chargers it was loaded on the plane that night I do a
1: lot of nefarious things with chargers
0: <laughs> it was loaded on the plane that night it didn't go through an x-ray scan because there wasn't an available x-ray sc- machine suspicious no idea who was shipping these items or even if they were high tech walkie talkies I did hear that they were like from Motorola which is like a big company (laughs) but Florence presumes the US was concerned about these walkie talkie parts going to China and took down the plane I'm like 95% sure they came from Motorola (laughs) I so I'm like Don't think
1: Motorola is up to anything (laughs) devious here with their walkie-talkies. And then
0: we go back to those planes with the radar that Gilana talked about. And Florence is told about these planes, but also now they have jamming capabilities. Again, no proof these planes were anywhere near this area, or even if they exist. I mean, it sounds plausible, but...
1: Yeah, they're just kind of throwing it
0: out there. And since we're nearing the end of another episode, this is when they introduce a new theory. (laughs) Theory three, the intercept. March 7, 2014, at 1120, this very suspicious and very mysterious cargo that hasn't been scanned and was delivered under escort, whatever the fuck that means, is loaded on the plane. The plane takes off as planned, even though it was running a few minutes late, but, you know, facts don't matter. The plane reached cruising altitude and everything is normal. At 119, when the plane signs off with Kuala Lumpur and goes into the no man's land until they reach Ho Chi Minh as planned, but instead of them reaching Vietnam, a perfect interception takes place. The U.S. planes come out of nowhere to jam MH370 so it disappears from radar and they can't communicate and either take the plane down with a missile or just ram the plane into it and somehow all the debris ended up over by Africa. (laughs) But even she says it's a far-fetched theory with many loose ends. But this story is more closer to the truth than what we've been told. But, like, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to ram a plane into another plane?
1: Because it's carrying some (laughs) (laughs) walkie-talkies.
0: So, yeah. I still don't know. Searches are still on and off. I think there's one planned for either this year or next, depending on if the Malaysian government signs off on it. The investigation into why the plane disappeared ended with no explanation air transport industry safety recommendations and regulations since this incident have included increased battery life on underwater locator beacons lengthening of recording times on flight data recorders and cockpit voice recorders and new standards for aircraft positioning reporting over the open ocean something i am absolutely shocked no one discussed or blamed was the two iranians with stolen passports I assume when they went after the Russian ethnicity, they would definitely go for, like, also racism. Nah. Two men aged 19 and 29 entered Malaysia on February 28th using valid Iranian passports. And they bought two one-way tickets using the stolen passports of two men, one Austrian and one Italian. These passports had been stolen in Thailand in the preceding two years. It was eventually ruled that these two were maybe asylum seekers
1: I was just... That sounds more likely. I was just
0: impressed nobody tried to blame them in this documentary, considering how far they were reaching with some things.
1: Okay, but Russia was the bigger...
0: It was Russia. And Kazakhstan. But, like, what the fuck, Malaysian immigration officials, for not fucking catching these two guys when the passports had been reported stolen and were listed on the Interpol database as such.
1: Not thorough. (laughs) Not thorough at all.
0: Clearly. And Motorola was in on it. I just think it's a sad story and people just want somebody to blame for losing their families. You want a palatable reason for why your loved one is dead. My opinion as someone who reads and listens to a lot of airplane incidents and accidents. Yes, there is a difference with that. I want to say something happened with the electrical hub, which led maybe to hypoxia. And I definitely believe it fucking crashed into the Indian Ocean. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) One thousand percent. And I do believe that they probably all just died yeah
0: there's no conspiracy theory conspiracy between like 10 different countries to cover this up not
1: to mention there have been situations where the oxygen yeah has failed yeah and people have just and slipped which into- makes
0: more sense when the other plane tried to contact him and he just heard like mumbling and static yeah like that makes more sense but yeah, especially if you expect all these people to work with Russia and not spill the beans at any point trying to cover this up. That's a lot. It's <laughs> a
1: lot of people to keep a lie.
0: But also listen to Black Box Down. They cover this flight and it's just a great podcast. We'll teach you weird shit that happens to planes all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Like pilots could just be sucked out of the front window of a plane for no reason. Oh my <laughs> or God. Or something. Oh, have you never heard about that? i might have i like to yeah the wikipedia front, just the window, like, like popped out he was sucked out so like the other pilots are like trying to fly one of them's trying to like hold him so he doesn't completely fly out he survived which is you insane. know what i think
1: i might have heard about this i i like to do like the wikipedia like oh yeah weird plane crashes yeah just we- like
0: roller coasters <laughs> i do that one too
1: <laughs> theme park
0: death yes but something as simple as someone using the wrong bolt because it was mislabeled, and now you have a crash plane. Like, that also happened. <laughs> but I also learned that no matter what, leave your seatbelt on when you're on a plane.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> solid advice. Turbulence can
0: happen out of nowhere.
1: Yep, I, I definitely do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is the end of this very long episode this week. And Jason lost his privileges.
1: He did. He's no longer allowed to tell me what we should watch.
0: this one was so hard.
1: To be fair, he didn't watch it either. He didn't
0: even watch
1: it? No, that motherfucker didn't even watch it. Oh, my God. So he is cut off.
0: His nerd buddies are kicking him out of the group. (laughs) Poor Jeff. Uh, All right, we will be back next week. What did we do for next week? My lover, my killer. On netflix so the first episode yes we're going to breton Yay. (laughs) (laughs) bye (laughs) goodbye thank you for listening to doctomy the opening music is by twisterium for comments or suggestions we can be reached by email at doctomypod at gmail.com find us on twitter at doctomypod and find a link to our facebook group in the show notes thank you